Hey, what's up? You are listening to Foot of the Cross, and this is Chelsea Hallow welcoming you into the holidays, pretty much. I mean, I woke up this morning and I was like, why is it so hot? I did not understand. I was just getting used to it being cold outside. And I knew it wasn't going to stay like that every single day. But it was at 82 degrees in Tuscaloosa, Alabama this morning. So, what are you going to do? I was in a hoodie. Couldn't take it off. Wasn't anywhere near my house. But, anyway. So, um, I turned on the news this morning when I got back home. And something really sad happened. I didn't listen to his music, you know. Um... He's just a little bit younger than me, and it sounds like suicide or overdose. I'm going to bet on overdose because he went to rehab five times, but if you don't know, Nick Carter did pass away, and it's really, really sad. So sad. Um, he had a little girl and a fiance and uh you know his family was actually doing a concert this weekend and they did a little thing for him um I couldn't imagine being his family and having to get up there and perform anyway what are you gonna do him and his family didn't really totally get along over the years, but they loved each other very much, even though they didn't always see eye to eye. It is constant. It's everywhere. (laughs) And I remember thinking, you know, when is it my turn? When am I going to overdose? Um, I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, but I definitely have. And that is why I want to talk about when I overdosed. You don't get a second chance. There really isn't a chance when it comes to this. I remember my thighs hurting before I went to sleep. And I didn't understand why. And for those of you with dirty minds, no. <laughs> um, I could tell that when I had taken my Xanax, something was seriously wrong. But I could not even make it to the door. And I just remember thinking, maybe I'm just really, really tired. Literally, the next memory I have is hearing a whole bunch of guys. Like, so many. I mean, in my mind, there's like 20 people around me. (laughs) And... They can't, couldn't even believe later on that I heard some of them. 
but do I really have to tell you <laughs> that I wasn't hearing them? It was more of a, it seriously was more of a, a feeling, you know? I mean, I wasn't coming out of it at all. My mom said that I was snoring really, really loud at first. And then I completely stopped breathing. They told her to pull me off the bed really fast and <laughs> get me on the floor laying flat so that she could um, start to administer CPR. We keep Narcan's around, but she didn't know where it was at that time because, I mean, I had never really needed it close to me. And uh, I have been in situations where I knew that something was wrong while I was doing drugs, you know, and that I needed to get up, move around, wake myself up, eat. This was completely different. You don't have any control at all. You are completely comatose, and you know that your life is ending. But you can't tell anybody. So, in my mind, I was actually talking to God. And I remember thinking, God, if I don't come through this, please, please take care of my kids. I don't really know what's going on. I, I don't understand. <laughs> Later on, I found out that there was just about every drug in my system. How and when it got there doesn't even really matter at this point. And I had methadone in my system when it happened. Mom said that... After shocking my heart a few times and me finally kind of start waking up just enough to say one word. I think their question was, what did you take, Chelsea? Something like that. And I said, heroin. You know, your subconscious is making you say heroin. But that's not what I meant to say. I meant to say methadone. And I couldn't even remember or think about the word Xanax at the time. People wake up from overdosing and they're like, God gave me a second chance. I've heard so many people say that. I really don't think that that's how it works. I am a Christian. I believe in God with all of my heart. But let me tell you something. This is more risky, okay, than hoping you'll get a second chance, okay? And there's people out there that know that Every single day they are taking a risk 
of going through what I went through. And they are, they're not slowing down. They're not trying to take less to make sure that it doesn't happen. They're just, well, if it happens, it happens. And if I don't come back this time, say lovey, whatever, you know. I have two beautiful, wonderful kids. I couldn't think like that. And I know that there's women out there that have kids too that are addicts and have had things happen to them, you know. And they don't care. At least they're not acting like they care. So we have different opinions about it, you know, but I was able to get myself sober by myself because of that motivation, because I knew that I had my two children and I have seen for other people that it is much, much harder to have that kind of enthusiasm. Um, I've heard that one of the reasons is, is because part of themselves believes, well, they would be better off without me. Well, that's a really good justification, you know. But that's just not true. And it never will be. All kids need to be with their mom. Their mom and dad, actually. But if they can't have both, they at least need to be with their mother. I wrote a poem once. And it's called Lost Like Car Keys. In the poem, I'm describing mothers who are continuously staying dope sick, are continuously using, and I even refer to the pipe as a looking glass. And I I talk about how there's three of me. The one that loves her kids, and then there's the one that's always looking through the looking glass, back at herself, wondering who that is because she doesn't recognize herself anymore. And then the third one is the one that wishes she was already dead. And it's about losing your kids as if they were car keys. As I was growing up, seeing other young mothers use drugs and stuff, I had to see a lot of people lose their kids, and it is a horrible thing. I had a best friend that lost two daughters, and uh, she has them in her life now, thank God. But even though it wasn't me, and even though it wasn't my child, it was horrible. It was seriously horrible, knowing 
that they weren't going to be able to raise their own children. I have a friend now that is not able to be with her kid because drugs ruined her in the past and she's having to pay a price for that now. I don't know if she'll ever be able to get to be back in her child's life, but I pray that she does. I promised my daughter when I was pregnant and it was at a really strange time in my life because I was coming out of an abusive relationship with her dad and I felt stuck because, you know, I'm fixing to have this kid that is going to remind me of my abuser every single day. All I kept telling myself was nothing else matters now. You know, just her, just her. So she didn't feel that resentment until later. But I promise you, she could see that it was there. I wish to God that she never had to go through that. I really do, but I can't take it back. All I can do is apologize for it and change the situation and show her that if she hadn't have been born, I might not be here today. She was my motivation of change. She was my inspiration to take myself and keep reaching for something else other than what I was doing. Something better, something more. Without my kids, everything would have been out of, out of reach completely. And I would have been dead. There's no doubt in my mind. I have met people that have overdosed like 16 times. And one hardcore overdose was enough for me. I could not believe I woke up from it. And everything hurt so bad when I woke up. They had me in the crazy part of the hospital. And they had, you know, a strap around just one of my arms. And they had somebody in there with me. And they wouldn't leave, which made my anxiety so bad. <laughs> All I wanted to do was pick up something and throw it at her because she's sitting there. And she's having these conversations about, you know, I can't wait till I get off work. And every once in a while, you know, you hear her say, this girl is really wigging me out. <laughs> we really don't know 
how many drugs she took. And I'm sitting there like, oh my god, are they allowed to do this? It turned out she was not supposed to be on the phone, like, at all. And not only that, but I was letting them know, look, you cannot leave me in here without my methadone. I have to have my methadone, okay? And they said, you mean your heroin? And I was like, oh, dude, I don't do heroin anymore. When I was saying that, I was subconsciously trying to tell you that I'm on methadone. When the results came back, it showed that. But I still had a lot of drugs in my system. And let's just say I, I seriously trusted the wrong people. And I do take my responsibility as to how the drugs got in my system because if I had not been hanging out with two guys that whose goal was to seriously get effed up as much as possible and two, let's just say they wanted to get laid. I wanted to press charges. I wanted to drag them through the mud. But I didn't. Because here's something that nobody will ever tell you. There is a chance that they seriously will not (laughs) do a day in jail and then who is going to protect you if they come after you for turning them in I felt so alone and my mom at that time she was like look you can tell me the truth you know about what happened and One of the guys got really nervous, so he posted on Facebook that him and his daughter were moving away, and that he was so glad that he was sober now and living this new life, and he even said the state that he was in now, and I'm like, wow, he's five states away, sober, has his daughter back, and has done a complete 180 since I got out of the hospital (laughs) at 4 p.m. yesterday. I was in there, I think, for about four days. They could not pick up on the liquid G that was in my system. And if you don't know what liquid G is, it's the famous right drug itself. But a lot of people have been known to use it because it does make you feel good. It does give you a high that makes you want to dance. You feel drunk. But if that room does not stop spinning when you're sitting still, honey, you better go start throwing up. <laughs> So, yeah, they couldn't see that there was liquid G in my system. 
but they could tell from lack of memory that that's most likely what I was on when I said what it was because <laughs> I knew that if my memory was that deep and that deeply that that gone that far gone that that's what had to have been in my system at the time and uh People I was with, you know, yes, I got messed up with them. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I saw them on purpose. I hung out with them on purpose. And seriously, we were just going to get a little high to me, you know, and then they would go their way and I'd go mine. And that's not how it went at all. When you're on methadone and Xanax already, and then you do ice, also known as crystal meth, just a stronger, more pure of a version, if you're not familiar. (laughs) If you're listening to this podcast, you most likely are. And then you take Xanax. <laughs> and don't forget. Dun da da. Liquid G. So, methadone, Xanax, ice, liquid G. That's what I was on. It took all those things, and I did not feel like I was going to die at all. But I remember them leaving and telling me, you know, see you another time. I'm so glad that it didn't happen when I wasn't home when I was off with them because God only knows what they would have done with me. They probably would have thought I was already dead and just put me somewhere. And yes, I was dying. And yes, I did die. But what I'm saying is nobody would have been there to shock me back to life, man. (laughs) But that's why I don't think the Narcan would have helped. And let me just say, if I had known that I had liquid G in my system, I would not have taken my Xanax at all. I was finally ready to come down off the ice and went and took my medicine. And when I laid down, it didn't even take a half hour. I just knew for some reason I had this feeling like I was not going to wake up. And I remember rubbing on my hips like, oh my God, what is that pain? And later on, I found out that when your organs are trying to break down on you when the power is going out in your body. They can begin to get sore. Kind of like you've been in a car accident. I mean, I felt like somebody was just beating 
had beaten the crap out of me, you know? Like, my whole body was bruised. But I remember thinking, just close your eyes. When you wake up, you won't be high anymore. You'll be fine. Oh, God. And when I woke up, I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. Part of me, I remember, was not happy that I woke up because I was like, dude, if I was that deep, why didn't you just let me go? Because I had, by that time, put myself up on this pedestal, like my own pedestal that I made for myself, you know, metaphorically speaking. And I was through, I was done with the drugs and... So when this happened, I was so disappointed in myself. And there is a lot of people that will say, it's not your fault, it's a disease, it's the disease fault. You're addicted. To an extent, yes, all that is true. But before they had walked in that door, I had not done ice in a while. I wasn't definitely not doing a lucrative jig anymore. I grew out of doing that back in my heyday of going to raves. When I was doing, you know, ecstasy molly. <laughs> but, you know, and, and it's so crazy. I mean... This kid, Nick, that has died, that has left us, another musician gone because of drugs. He said on a talk show, he said, you know, I'm just going to come out and tell you. And it was his first time telling the world that he was a drug addict. He said, I don't consider smoking marijuana a drug or something that someone's addicted to, it doesn't count. I still smoke weed, but I consider myself to be sober. And everybody just got really quiet when he said that because they did not know what to think. Um, I remember thinking, I understand. You're admitting that where you've been is, is rehab and that the only drug that you do now is marijuana, but you don't consider it at all as something that should be in your little checkbox of the drugs that you took or the drugs that you were so-called addicted to. And that's all you do now. And you're trying to say, other than that, I am sober. Well, of course, half of everyone that's watching this is going to say, you know, I call you on BS, you know, if you are still smoking weed. And then the other half are saying, yes, I'm so glad he's just smoking weed now because he really needed to get sober. (laughs) So it's been like that for generations and generations. And now that we've come to... A day and age where even my children can go to a gas station and for 20, 30 bucks smoke some 
Delta A, I mean, aren't we seriously saying that? Isn't that what we're telling our kids? That if you're just smoking marijuana, consider yourself sober? I know people in rehab for, or in treatment for marijuana right now. So, I guess it depends who you talk to or, matter of fact, who you are. I never had a problem with marijuana. Not even close. I loved my speed. Loved it very much. Almost gave up my entire life for it. But when I saw my kids, I knew that I had a fight to get off. And... By the time that I had had my daughter, I had been already doing drugs for so long. And that's why, you know, even my ex couldn't understand, like, what do you mean? You know, (laughs) I'm over here getting high and stuff and you're always judging me and you do the same thing too. And I'm like, yeah, dude, but (laughs) got to understand that, you know, we have kids now and not just my daughter anymore. Now we have a son. And if you get sober, I I will stay sober, and we can stay together and be a family. Sounds like a really great idea, doesn't it? But (laughs) I've said it, and I'll say it again. Two drug addicts do not make a sober person. Or here's another way of of saying it. (laughs) Two drug addicts. A sober person does not make. (laughs) And it's the truth. Two negatives do not equal a positive. So if you are with a spouse or with a boyfriend or with a girlfriend. Or boy and boy or girl and girl. And you are both addicted Maybe you are not with the right person because you can always be pulling each other down, man. And if one of you is trying to get sober, it's almost impossible that they'll get sober if the other one is not already or doesn't do it at the same time. And when you watch those shows of intervention... And you see them, and they are so willing to say, hey, we know that you don't want to leave and go to rehab without your boyfriend or without your girlfriend. So, here's what we're going to do. We are going to pay for them to go to rehab, too. And then they're like, yes, I'm in. I can do this. I want to do this. But... What really happens before that show is over? What do they always show you before the end of the show? Intervention. They show that during their stay in rehab, one over here, one over there, and 90% of the time they're not even in a rehab that's in the same state. They let you know that either... One or two things happen. 
what's the first one? The first one is that one of them left rehab and couldn't hack it and left and they relapsed. And the second one is that both of them stayed sober at least for a while. And during that time, they realized that they shouldn't be together because they bring each other down. Just like I just got done saying. So even as people, if we go out there and we get sober, it is seriously the biggest thing that everybody needs to realize as an addict. But we don't learn it until we get a chance to see how we are sober without the other person in your life. And that is when it finally clicks. Hey, I should not be with this person because because the two of us together, we're like, you know, a tornado and a hurricane. And when a tornado and a hurricane get together, all they do is just cause a lot of, a lot of mess, a lot of force winds, and it gets so messy and so destructive that it can lead to death. Me and my ex were very destructive when we were together. And when you realize that you can do better away from that person, or at least one of you can, that's when things can get good. My goodness, is it me or is it hot in here? (laughs) I uh, know that Thanksgiving is coming up. I know that a lot of you are thinking, oh my God, are the holidays almost here for real? I know that two weeks ago about, I, I was starting to think about it. I was like, oh, here we go again. You want so bad to have everything wrapped in a bow by the time the holidays come around because the holidays are so hard when you don't have your life together. It can be very lonely, especially if you are in debt and don't have any money. And especially if you are without money and you're either A, trying to stay sober, sober or B, continuing to use drugs. The holidays can be the worst because you are sitting around thinking so badly about yourself and it causes a lot of people to relapse. It is a myth. It's a big myth that the holidays bring more suicides. And I did not know that. Um, I always believed it. (laughs) Because I remember, like, especially my first Christmas, you know, without my husband. 
and having the kids and stuff like that, you know, you're so depressed and you just want to do the right thing. And, oh my gosh, I didn't get this done and I didn't get this done. And the new year is coming up. You don't feel full. You don't feel accomplished. You feel very low. And you can definitely end up relapsing. But I remember believing the myths about the suicides taking place. And they've actually proven by now that that is actually when suicide is less likely to happen because people are around families usually during the holidays. And I'm like, well, there's your answer to why addicts end up relapsing, though, during the holidays. Because they're not with their family. Or a lot of them are not with their family. If you've lost a child and you're in a place in your life and you know that getting sober will help you get your child back, please don't stop. If you seriously believe and know that your child is better off without you, wanting her or him to have a better life is the most selfless thing that you could do. But if you are just justifying continuing to get high, please take a step back and say to yourself, okay, I might've gotten high yesterday, but I'm not done. I am not done. Those kids are mine. And I'm going to get them back. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. There might not always be a tomorrow if you continue to get high. It took me a few days to be grateful for still being here when I relapsed. But when I did start feeling grateful, I was like, holy crap. I seriously almost lost my life to drugs. I seriously almost became another statistic. And that's all I would have left behind. And I would have left behind a grieving mother who would have felt so much guilt for not having done more, been there for me more. How much more does a family have to be there for you to feel grateful enough to not just change for you, but to change for them so that they can have a piece of you. And of course, if, you're, if some part of you is not doing it for you, you're not going to succeed. You have to want it. But wanting it also for someone else, that's a blessing. And if you haven't lost them already, or if you haven't lost them permanently, 
that means you still have a fighting chance. And you can not just wonder if tomorrow is your last day or if you have more days to come. You'll know that you have more days to come. The minute that you get sober, you already know that you've given yourself more time on this earth. Isn't that crazy? Think about it. From the second that you get sober, you're already expanding your life. You're already giving yourself more of a chance. And you've already given your kids more of a chance to be with their mom or their mom and dad or their dad. So if you are trying to get sober or if you're still using and you want to get sober, just think about that. It's time. It's time for a change. How can I do that? And if you don't have someone to talk to, please find a sponsor. And find a sponsor before Thanksgiving. Because it is hard to be alone for the holidays. And I am so grateful to know that my kids made it and that I was able to make it and be here for them today. Thank you for listening to Put of the Cross. Till next time, have a great night.